0: Hello and welcome to team I'm your host Ben Dupre and today we have a very special guest to kick us off Antonio Reza he's going to be sharing with us a an incredible story of inspiration and triumph we're glad to have you here today Antonio how are you doing
1: I'm doing good Ben thanks for having me on and I'm proud that I get to be the first person for this podcast
0: well, uh, uh, all the pleasure goes to us. We are grateful for your uh, for you being here today. I'd like to just jump right into it, Antonio. Could you tell us how old you are and where did you grow up?
1: I am 28 years old, and I grew up in the Bay Area in California.
0: What are you doing these days?
1: These days, I'm doing a little bit of everything, but primarily... I am a law student. I'm a full-time law student at Santa Clara University School of Law, and I'm entering in my second year.
0: Congratulations. Law school is no joke, especially the first year. Over, over the last few years, uh, could you share with us some of the uh, highlights or accomplishments that you're most proud of?
1: Yeah, so over the past few years, I have made leaps and bounds in my own personal Life as well as a profession, um, some of which will overlap. I graduated from undergrad. I graduated from the University of San Francisco and I was the Valedictorian there. So that was both a personal and a professional accomplishment that I got. And I'm very proud to say that I was able to do that. Another thing that I've done is I got accepted into law school, as you guys know. Um, another thing which is very personal but also a unique experience i'm thankful to have is i had my felony conviction and my strike reduced and expunged um i'm very thankful for that the process that went into that the detective who is the catalyst for it and the ba who helped out to make it final and make it so that we have a clean record today
0: so if you were to apply for a job or if you wanted to get a phd or go to medical school or anything like that you've got a green light, there's no felony that's going to show up or anything like that?
1: Uh, See, there's a catch there. The system will always have its hooks in. So I do not have to check the box, the fabled box. Have you been convicted of a felony?
0: Oh, the one that's on the job application.
1: The one that permeates every aspect of our society, whether if it's to be a juror, whether if it is to get FAFSA, whether if it is to vote, you know, in California felons have the right to vote again, but there was a while there where I lost that privilege. Mm. Um, but the point still stands is that that box is everywhere. So in the sense that do I have to check that box? No. However, there is an arrest record, which is a separate record and the hook is still in, so to speak, because if somebody wanted to check more thoroughly, even though my record is clean, they would still be able to find that I was arrested for a very serious felony.
0: And we all know that there there are probably some jobs that, that would do that. Maybe working for the FBI, Secret Service, uh, high security level jobs in the government, things like that. But typically, even high paying jobs in management or as a lawyer or things like that do you see do you see those types of companies doing that type of a background check to see if if there was ever an arrest because my understanding is that even an arrest cannot be uh, cannot be uh, reported if it's over seven years in the state of california
1: well I know that if you're going into law specifically, I can't speak for other businesses because I'm not in those areas, um, nor am I focused on those areas. But I know for law, when you wanna be a member of the bar, you have the moral character section. And in that section, you need to disclose everything. So it does not matter what has happened. The point is, is that I need to tell the bar exactly what I was arrested for, what I was convicted of, what has happened post-release, what have I done since, every step of the way. So it will always be there.
0: To me, that sounds like a door that, 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 that isn't opening then. Am I wrong to think that, that all of these efforts that you've done, these great things, that at the end of the day, it's not going to matter, or am I wrong?
1: It got easier, but when push comes to shove, the hook is still in. People will still know.
0: You said you were valedictorian. For those that aren't familiar with that, could you tell us what that means?
1: Uh, valedictorian, that basically means out of the entire graduating class for the University of San Francisco in December of 2018, I had the proper GPA to get an email sent to me saying I qualify to apply to be valedictorian. Mm -hmm. I sent in, right, so I sent in an essay, I sent in my resume, um, I sent in a couple of letters of recommendation from professors, and then from there I was picked as one of the finalists, and then in the finals, you know, for the finalists, you had to uh, do a panel interview. And in the panel interview, that was like the final stage for the December graduation. And then I I got it, you know, I was, um, I had earned Valed Victorian. So I was giving the speech during my graduation. So that's essentially what Valed Victorian means is I was nominated to be like almost, almost like the class representative, you know, the, the stellar student, the scholar, the, the one to speak on behalf of my entire class and it was mm. a quite the honor and I'm very thankful for it
0: mm. so and it not only does to be valedictorian like you said it is like you are the class representative to qualify for that not only do you have to have probably the top or at the top in terms of grades but also character and other things that you've accomplished and the relationships that you've you've developed with professors and, and just your Who you are was evaluated? Is that is that a fair? Description
1: Yeah, that is correct. Um, you wouldn't I mean I, in terms of grades and top grades each I think I got maybe one no, I, I got two B pluses out of my entire undergraduate career. And that is over about 275 units completed. Otherwise it was all A's and a couple of A minuses as well.
0: What did you get your degree in?
1: So I have a few degrees. Um, I didn't just go to USF. I didn't just earn a bachelor's degree. I started at a community college. And while I was in community college, I earned three associate's degrees and a few certificates. Um, I earned two communication degrees while at the community college and I earned one degree in humanities. At USF, I majored in communication studies and I had two minors. One was legal studies, the other was sociology.
0: Wow. Congratulations on such a outstanding academic performance. And that was at the University of San Francisco?
1: Correct, I graduated from a low Ohlone Junior College. Well, it's Ohlone Community College. That's where I went. Um, I graduated there with 85.5 units completed, and I had a 4.0 GPA. And then that's when I transferred to USF. And um, it's funny because normally students drop down when they transfer because it's new environment. Um, statistically, if they're getting A's, they should transfer and start getting B's. Mm-hmm. Not B pluses, but Bs. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that wasn't the case for me. I did, however, catch my first A- and my first B+, plus, which was frustrating. But um, it's a lot better than what statistically should have happened for a transfer student.
0: Now, we're going to get into it, but it sounds like you were a man on a mission with a, a full tank of gas. Um, what What other things were you doing besides getting straight A's and a few... B pluses here and there uh, while you were at University of San Francisco, uh, as well as uh, the community college in in terms of what kind of contributions were you making to help the community?
1: Yeah. 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 Um, So real quick uh, correction. It wasn't a few B pluses. It was two. (laughs) (laughs) Let's Um, Let's
0: be real clear. Thank you.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm very uh, very frustrated about those two, and they sting me to this day, <laughs> so I will never forget. I'll never forget those two. Um, but, yeah, um, I've been very involved with both campuses that I attended. So while I was at um, Ohlone College, I was involved in student government. Um, I was on the basketball team. I was VP of a club. I got inducted into an honorable roll society, uh, you know i did i did everything that i possibly could i took every advantage every opportunity anything that was available for me you know mm-hmm. I, I just jumped at it because i had a second opportunity at life i had a second chance at life and mm-hmm. i wasn't going to waste it you know mm-hmm. i was going to capitalize on this i whenever i do anything i do it to the best of my abilities and mm-hmm. i did the same for college I, I gave it a good faith effort and then it became a personal challenge you know let's see let's see how far. I can keep this going. Let's see how long I can keep this going. So my first semester of straight A's, and I was like, well, let's see. The next semester it was, and then it was Dean's List and Honor Roll consecutively for every single semester that I was at in the junior college. Um, And then, you know, I transferred. And And when I transferred, the uh, same situation happened where, you know, again, I have every opportunity available for me. Um, I was uh, president of a club, I wasn't on the basketball team because that's definitely a D1 school. <laughs> um, but I, uh, yeah, I'm like six feet tall, and I, I was already tiny for basketball, so it just that wasn't going to go anywhere anytime I imagine soon. Imagine you
0: were a point guard or a shooting guard.
1: Yeah, 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 but even then, that's a that's another conversation for another day. I ended up, I never played a single minute in college, um, and the reason why is for you know a few things but the main one was i had uh, tears in my achilles tendon so Mm. that uh that sucked definitely called my collegiate career um Mm -hmm. but you know it was a blessing in disguise i was able to focus more on my academics and really able to bring those home Um, but in in terms of at usf i uh like i said i became president of a club i got inducted in three different honor roll societies while i was there i volunteered at a halfway house i started doing a lot of primary research on how communication is impacted by incarceration and the various forms that that takes. Um, And my research even started to win awards around campus and my university flew me out to a conference so that I could present some of my primary research to other communication studies professors, graduate students, and even some undergrad students.
0: Wow. So you were flown out to share your research, could you sh- uh, share with us what the uh, schools were that you presented your research to?
1: Yeah, so I um, I presented at the WSCA, the Western States Association of Communication. I believe that's what it stands for. Um, and I flew up to Washington State. And it's funny because I, I wasn't able to participate in this even though my research was stellar and it was sound and it was primary and it was groundbreaking and it was truly on the cutting edge of, you know, you got something here, Mm. but it didn't matter because I was still on probation and it's the Western state. So the fact that I couldn't leave the state of California for just about my entire adult life at one point, you know, it didn't matter how good my research was. If Mm. the conference was not in California, I was not going. Mm. So I missed a conference when it was in Nevada hmm. you know but by the time I got off of probation, I found out it was in Washington I was able to leave the state and that's when I did go and the paper that I presented was how communication is impacted when one friend becomes incarcerated
0: hmm. and you said you were doing some work in halfway houses could you share a little bit about that
1: yeah so I worked at uh, in San Francisco, in the Tenderloin, there's a halfway house, it's 111 Taylor. And it's great. I mean, the halfway house, I mean, it's, it's very much a halfway house. You know, it's not jail, but you can tell that these people are still not quite home. Um, so it really embodies the halfway home sentiment. Um, but my job when I was there was, I was teaching a cell phone slash basic life skills class. And I worked with former lifers, so all these men who had been convicted to serve life in prison in the tough-on-crime era, so whether if they got life in prison in the 80s and the 90s, and then because laws change, and because, hey, maybe we were a bit too harsh with our three strikes, and one of the guys who I worked with got caught for heroin, like because he was a drug addict, but it was just enough to give him a felony, and it was his third strike so he served over 20 years for a little bag of heroin Um, mind you the other the other men that I worked with were all convicted of murder Um, and they all served their time Um, all of them definitely paid for their sins so to speak
0: and what were you doing to contribute you know how were you helping them
1: so when you serve at least 24 years in prison society has changed so the youngest one who i worked with served 24 years in prison and he was in his mid to late 50s Hmm. now if you become incarcerated in 1995 the world is dramatically different you know if you be if you were incarcerated in 83 i mean what is a cell phone you know is like seriously i mean what is data what is roaming What do you mean I can send a picture? You know, what is texting? What is Google Maps? What is Waze? What what are apps? You know, just... I I have a 30-year gap in my resume because I was in prison.
0: Hmm.
1: How do I fill in... How do I make an appropriate resume without telling my potential employer that I just served 25-plus years, that I just served 40-plus years? And... Mm-hmm. Also, it was main, it was also like therapeutic too, I, I must add, because while we would talk about cell phones and I would teach them how to input numbers in and how they could take a selfie on their phone, which blew some of their minds. Um, <laughs> you know, some of them would ask me and they'd be like, I want to send a, could you take a picture of me? I want to send it to my son because I haven't spoken to him in 15 years mm. and I hope that I can reconnect with him. Mm. So the conversations would start with you know Mm -hmm. how do i survive in today's technical digital era and then it would transition into Mm -hmm. something more personal Mm. and it was um it was you you know there's a lot of built-up trauma and although what they had done was bad each and every single one of them i'm not saying any of them are a saint they definitely deserve to be punished for their actions but the ptsd and the trauma is residual and it reverberates far beyond those walls. You know, those relationships that they had are damaged. Um whether if it be forever or whether if it be you know just for a little bit and they try to make amends, but it's uh it's not easy while they're inside and it's definitely not an easy transition coming back out. So I helped with the transition, you know, it was how to get by in the technological era. And then also a little bit of therapy, you know, where we were just a couple of guys talking and Mm. being in a safe space to express yourself, you know, and that was it was truly a beautiful moment because Mm. we were there just being human,
0: just being human. And thank you for sharing the humanity of that uh, because a lot of us don't see people in that light and that needs to change. If we're going to change, we need to change the way we view things. I'd like to, you know, you've done a a lot of beautiful things uh, with now you're a law student and all of the the amazing grades and the awards and honors and the community service you've done. But I want to take a step back because you've meant, you touched on it, but there was a time in your life where you weren't the exemplary citizen that you are today, Correct.
1: Oh, you are. You don't get a felony because you're putting on your socks, getting ready to go to Harvard.
0: So I want you to take us to one of the lowest point in your life before things turned around for you. And take us the back lowest, to that moment.
1: Yeah. The, um, the lowest point in my life was when I was convicted of one count of second-degree armed robbery and I received a strike. That is a violent felony and it is in the top five worst felonies in the eyes of society that you can get. Um, whenever people talk about prison reform, whenever people talk about, let's, hey, maybe we should take it easy on crime because the tough on crime didn't work, let's try to figure out alternatives. My demographic will never be included because my crime was violent and it was a felony and there was a gun involved. So that is why that will always, always be a low point in my life, regardless of what laws change in the future. I know that my demographic would still <laughs> still not count for what might change.
0: So if we were to fast forward to the scene in the movie where this is happening, what would we see? How old are you? Where are you at? What's going through your mind?
1: I was a teenager. Um, I was an angry, angry young man. I was mad at the world. I was mad at my circumstances. I was mad at just a variety of different things. You know, I didn't feel like I necessarily had a a fair shake at life. And I was just mad at a, just mad. You Mm -hmm. know, there's no fancy way to say it. I was an angry teenager. And that doesn't excuse my actions. It doesn't. Uh, what I did was wrong, and I will never say that I was a saint. And I will never say that I did not deserve to get punished. I did deserve it. I did get it. It is what it is. I'm a man, and I will accept that. Um,
0: now, Antonio, I realize that, you know, there that was a, a a very bad act, and you're you were in a bad state, but you weren't always like that. I, I firmly believe that none of us, you know, anyone that's in prison right now, were born to be in prison. It was things that happened in life. So if you don't mind, could you take us back to what you were like as a boy, 9, 10 years old? Uh, I'd like to get to know that, Antonio. I'd like us all to.
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, as a, as a kid, I would... I was a clown man i like to make people laugh um i, I was I, I mean i still am today if you know the more we hang out the more i'm gonna get you to laugh i uh i make it a personal goal to make people spit drinks out their nose <laughs> um that's uh, that's how you know we friends if i can finally get you because you've been around me long enough to where i get you to have you know the bubbles from your beer burn your nostrils like let's get it <laughs> um yeah, yeah, I, I love making people happy. You know, I love bringing joy. I've I've always I've always been that way. I've always tried to help out, you know, in any way that I can. So um, you a little
0: boy, you're ten, eleven years old. Uh, what does Antonio yeah, like to you do? You know,
1: I, I wanted I like to play video games, man. What what ten year old doesn't? I like to play, <laughs> you know, strategy games. I was all about strategy. I was all about thinking. Um, I love sports. I thought I was gonna be a professional football player playing for the Oakland Raiders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh yeah, I just stop growing so i mm. <laughs> so I'd ever, never fit the mold of what a professional football player necessarily is and uh, I got mm. a couple of back issues but that's another conversation and, and if um, we're
0: looking into your bedroom at 10 years old on the walls are we going to see posters and what are we going to what is it going to look like
1: Oh man, you just a smorgasbord of randomness. Um, I mean, I was I I got ADHD, man. My mind it always runs a million miles everywhere. I had Pokemon cards, you know. Mm-hmm. I had like some football here, a basketball there. I mm-hmm. I had a poster from something, you know. What I mean, I, I had a few books scattered around the room. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was j- just a just a regular old kid. You know, Yeah. just try. You know, I think I had like. Uh, Ninja Turtles, bed sheets, you know what I mean, or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, just just a traditional kid, you know, just trying to, just being a kid.
0: Now, now I want to fast forward a little bit, Antonio, and you're a teenager. And tell us about this teenage boy. What is he like?
1: You know, things actually started to change for me before, like right before I was a teen. Um, it was when I was 12 years old, that's when that's when things really really took a turn um i had a lot of issues specifically around that age in terms of fitting in um i i am half mexican but my skin color you know i'm also irish so i have the irish skin (laughs) like boy am i white Hmm. um so it was uh it was hard to be ostracized by people who were of the same ethnic background you know we I went to what was familiar and what was comfortable for me. I went to people who looked like, sounded like, and talked like members of my family. But when I would go up to them, I didn't look like them, and that was an issue. And that really became a catalyst for a lot of things to come. So as a teen, you know, I, I uh, everybody hates what they look like you know i could be prettier i could be buffer i could be you know my Mm -hmm. hair could be better my you know i could have less acne you know everybody goes through body dysmorphia whether Mm -hmm. if it's Mm -hmm. dramatically or not even if they have no reason to be you know that person could, could be beautiful but they will always see something wrong with themselves well that you know that was me along with people telling me that my skin color what was was what was wrong with me and then um Yeah, you know, then your brain isn't formed, and you're kind of awkward. You know, everybody goes through that phase, and then your brain isn't developed, so your brain is actually making you crazy. And it was a a very, very hard time for me as a preteen all the way up through my incarceration, actually.
0: Was there one or two big things that... Kind of set you off on the wrong path. That if you could say right there, stop the film. I don't want to. I don't want to make that decision as a teenager. Were there any of those types of moments?
1: No. Um, I happen to be. <laughs> my the luck of the Irish runs out on a every day occasion, but I do get it every now and then. Um, but I I just felt like I was constantly under a barrage of bullshit. Excuse my language, I don't know (laughs) what the language policy is, but yeah, it it was always just one traumatic event to another. You know, I experienced a lot of death in my life and I'm very well acquainted with death at this point. I've experienced it in many different capacities, whether if it was an act of violence done to themselves received upon them from somebody else, um, a car accident. I mean, you, old age, cancer, respiratory failure. I mean, you, you name it, I've, I've probably seen it, um, which made life hard and it, it didn't always happen right away. It's uh, you know, I, I've grown this acquaintanceship with death over years and it didn't start as soon as I became a man. You know, it started when I was a kid. It started when I was a teen. And that's why I can say it was—it was never one moment, you know. I—I I did a lot of little bad things, you know. There, I did experience a lot of bad things. I did a lot, you know, to others. Others had done to me. So, in terms of like one giant thing, no, it was just the the planets aligned in a horrible way for me to go down a terrible path.
0: Why weren't you focused in or? Let me back up. Were you focused in school during this time? Were you getting good grades as a teenager?
1: Actually, I was. Um, I've never been stupid. I just made a lot of bad decisions. <laughs> um, so, like, for example, I, uh, uh, I think I graduated high school with a GPA of like a 3.6 summer runner. And I, I would party. I would be, I, I think I was in class drunk a few times or high. You know, I definitely was high or drunk and or <laughs> a few yeah. times. You know, I was i was never stupid. It was just, I just didn't give a shit. Um, and it, it didn't matter to me. You know, I was more focused on the traumas all around me.
0: Were you, so you're partying, you're drinking, you're getting high. Uh, are you fighting? Are you doing other oh, yeah. things too?
1: Oh, man. Um, without getting too much into that, um, <laughs> I uh, i did get into quite a few fights Um, I I was I was very Um, hot-headed that was my answer you know if there if there was a disagreement violence was the answer if there was confusion violence was the answer if it was disrespect violence is the answer you know violence was a Mm go-to for me for a long time Um, Mm -hmm. and it you know it's I'm tired now you Mm -hmm. know what I mean violence is not appealing to me anymore Um, I've had my fill so to speak you know Mm -hmm. where I'm just like I will do anything to avoid a confrontation but if somebody is persistent and I cannot get away I will defend myself Um, Mm -hmm. but I yeah I used to I used to really like the violence Um, I used to almost seek it out but now at this point I'm just oh man I'm tired I just want to get along with everybody I don't want it to bring any more pain to other people. I don't want people to bring pain to me. You know, I uh, I just want to live a peaceful life.
0: Beautiful. You you know you're 16, you're 17, or 18, and I would imagine there are people in your life that see you partying, drinking, getting violent, fighting, and these people are it probably got you know a bank full of really good advice and that advice i'm thinking is probably going in one ear and out the other at some point did that advice did it live inside you or did it really go in one ear and out the other
1: yeah i'm extraordinarily stubborn and i am a very oppositional defiant which is accidentally one of my super powers because when people would tell me no or people tell you you can't do this i'm like watch this you know i I would turn around and i would go exactly what they, they told me not to do um however that that did become a character trait that was probably one of my best attributes. And I will still say that to this day. And the reason why is because when I got out of jail, you know, everybody told me, you'll go back. You know, everybody counted me out. You're a felon. You won't amount to much. You're a felon. You'll always be a mooch. You're a felon. This is all you are. You're a felon. You're a felon. You're a felon. And I'm like, nah, watch this. You know, when people say, you're nothing but a violent, stupid criminal. You're an animal. I'm like, watch this, you know, so the oppositional defiance came back around. So although it really, really screwed me over as a teen, um, and I, I can recognize that from an objective standpoint um, now, but as an adult, as a newly convicted felon, that was arguably the best thing I had going for me because I wanted to prove everyone wrong. Because so many people had counted me out as soon as I got convicted of that felony.
0: Hmm. Wow. You know, being stubborn and in the wrong direction can be just as powerful as being stubborn in the right direction. And it, it seems like all of your positive energy and drive is now focused and that's a that's an amazing thing because i can just imagine what your life is going to be like in 10 years and 20 years and 30 years and 40 years because you've got decades of a career and and spreading positivity to your family, friends, colleagues and community. I'm wondering Antonio if when you were messing up so bad, you know, with the drinking and fighting and partying as a teenager, was there always a little voice inside you that you said, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, this is my party time. When, 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 when I'm ready, I'm gonna press the button and I'm gonna turn things around and I'm gonna take my life seriously, or was that not at all in your thought process?
1: Absolutely not. Um, I lived a hedonistic lifestyle. I was living for the moment and in the moment, um, and the reason why I was doing this is because I honestly. Did not think i was going to live um when i was 12 13 14 i did not think i was going to live to see my 16th birthday when i made it to my 16th birthday i was like damn well there's no way i'll make it to my 18th you know and then when i made it to my 18th i was like wow you know like i was i was genuinely surprised and to give you a reason and uh put it in perspective as to why i was genuinely surprised is when I graduated high school in 2010, you know, I was 18 years old. And between 2010 and 2011, I knew seven people who had died and none of them were over the age of 21. So when I give you these numbers saying like, no, I genuinely thought that I was living for today and living for now, it's because I did not know what was going to happen tomorrow, tonight, or in the next week. I'm not thinking of my one-year, my three-year, my five-year plan. I'm thinking my one-hour, my three-hour, my five-year plan. Hmm.
0: Antonio, I don't know if it's possible to answer this question, but there may be folks out there that that need this answered. So that boy that you were before you became that teenager with issues, what do you think you needed in your life that would have prevented you from going down the wrong road?
1: Oh, man. You know, you can always hypothesize and what if, what if, what if. But, you know, I, I, you know, to be honest, I don't even know. Um, maybe I could have had a more supportive home life. You know, I, uh, I don't have my dad around. He, he was never really in the picture, and if he was, it wasn't consistent and it was spotty and he the only thing he taught me was not to depend on him um, and what not to be as a dad. So you know we can always fall back on that, you know I, <laughs> um, And then you know, my, my neighborhood wasn't necessarily the best, so maybe that could have played a factor in it. Um, my mom worked a lot she, she <clears throat> excuse me she, my mom worked a lot. She worked long hours to provide for me and I'm very, very thankful for that. But in doing so she was she wasn't really home very often. Mm-hmm. Um so it is what it is. But then again, you know, I um maybe I just needed to make all the mistakes myself and learn the hard way. Mm-hmm. You know, that that could have very well have been the thing and you know, sometimes when I talk to younger dudes or younger women about you know when I see them messing up or someone asked me to talk to them I said hey I can't change you you know like that's the first thing that comes out of my mouth to them is I I can't change you that has to come from within you know I could I could give you all this advice I can tell you right path but at the end of the day you need to make the decision of how much do you want to mess up how far do you want to dig into a hole before you decide to turn it around before you decide to this is rock bottom for you. Mm-hmm. Everybody has rock bottom at different areas. Mm-hmm. So how how bad do you want to mess up before you find that rock bottom? Because I, I can tell you right now that your rock bottom is getting arrested. But but if you're like, mm, no, nah, I don't think so. My mm-hmm. rock bottom is getting a felony, you know, <laughs> instead of just getting detained or my rock bottom is going to rehab for the seventh time, you know, like diff- different people are going to have different rock bottoms and that motivation to change has to come from within. So although my intentions might be good i remember what i was like as a kid and i just know that it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if i don't want to listen to you it doesn't matter you could be literally handing me gold i'm like well guess what i don't want it from you Mm -hmm. i'm gonna have to dig for it myself and i'm gonna have to learn the hard way off the sweat off my own brow Mm -hmm. rather than being smart and learning from somebody else i got to make my own mistakes so some of these youngsters you know some of these kids they might just have to make their own mistakes and It's going to be a hard path, buddy. I'm telling you now, if you're listening to this, it's going to be a hard path. and It's going to be a long way up. You're going to have to claw your way out of the hole you're currently digging yourself into. But it's possible, man. So you got to figure out for yourself when enough is enough.
0: That's got a lot there. Uh, I need to just focus my question to you on my first thought, which was it sounded like you were left to yourself. You didn't have a dad and your mom was doing her best to try to just put a roof over your head and food on the table. And when a kid is in that type of environment, they basically have too much freedom. And if especially if they're in an environment that has a lot of bad influence, where kids are doing other stuff that they shouldn't be doing, it's just like a perfect recipe for for a kid that's going to go down the wrong path. And I'm wondering, Antonio, how do we fix that? Because there's so many kids that fit into that situation where they, if they are in trouble now and as soon as they get released, they're going to go back to that environment where there is no parent at home watching over them, making sure they're doing their homework, or helping them train in their sport, or helping them do something productive. And the only people that are in that environment are people that are pulling at them and, t- and, and tugging at them to do things that are fun and are impulsive and are full of excitement but are always bad decisions. What, what can we do?
1: Man, that's a, that's a gigantic question. and We could honestly have multiple Conversations about just that alone, but the short answer is you need a whole overhaul of society. You know, what does society value? What do we want to provide to our citizens? Do we want to make sure that if you're poor, you don't have access to daycare? If you're poor, you don't have access to extracurriculars? Um, are you going to have a babysitter who are, are you, like, There's look at it this way. Are you going to have the kid taking, let's say, piano lessons from somebody who's very respected in the music industry? Or even just a piano teacher in general. It doesn't have to be anybody super special. That's going to cost a lot of money versus the next step down. Okay, you drop the kid off at daycare after school, maybe maybe a group art lesson with you know a class of like 30, but at least they're kind of under some supervision. And then sometimes you've got like, oh, so-and-so's aunt is taking care of the kids, and they're kind of running amok. She's kind of overwhelmed with her own issues or whatever. Aunt or uncle, no need to gender it, but just, you know, relative. Um, And they're running amok. Or, you know, you take one more step down where it's like the TV is the babysitter. You know, and that's a whole societal issue. You know, we live in a capitalist society where it's a constant rat race of, I need to work more to get more to buy more to be more as a person and in doing so you often it's just it's not a sustainable business model or at least the way that we in america have it set out right now um but again that's a that's a whole nother conversation me personally i love capitalism just because i firmly believe that if you work harder than others you should be getting more than others but but like I said the way that we in America have our system right now is a warped version of that and I I don't believe that it's pure capitalism anymore I think it's more predatory and vulture like in the sense that you're you're born into almost a class and it's a .001% that you'll become a Jeff Bezos you know
0: very, very tough question, I know. Um, and you touched on a lot of good ideas, and hopefully, at some point, those communities will have more people that are playing an active role in these kids so that they are guided in the right direction. Because, you know, one, if you're, if you're playing even a video game, or a musical instrument or you're working out training for ba- in basketball or football or whatever it is by doing that activity which is productive and positive you cannot be doing an activity that is not productive or is criminal that could lead down a domino effect and ruin a big part of your life or all of your life. But let me change and focus more on your, your story. You touched on it, but what was that rock bottom moment where you said, that's it. I'm turning my life around and I'm never looking back again.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's funny. I don't have, I don't necessarily have a rock bottom moment. Um, which sounds horrible considering I was convicted of a felony. Um, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't convinced to give up a life of crime just because I caught a felony. You know, I, um, that's cheesy or whatever is that you want to take that. Um, no, I, uh, I was angry still perpetually forever. You know, I I was mad at the system. I was, uh, I was just mad at so many different things. Um, so to be honest, I was really just waiting till the heat died down because like I said, I've, I've never been stupid. I just, <laughs> I uh, made a lot of stupid decisions and I was, I was honestly just waiting. So technically rock bottom for me was a felony, but it wasn't my motivator to do better at that moment. Um, I wanted to do better that like At first, it was just to wait till the heat dies down, wait till my security level dropped, wait till police weren't looking at me as much, and I was going to go back to business as usual, so to speak. But in doing so, that's when I started going to Loney. And then that's when I started to, you know, I, I kept hearing people saying, you know, the whole, you won't amount to shit because you're a felon. And that's when it really started to kick up. And I was like, man, I just want to prove you wrong. I just want to prove you wrong. And then it happened to a line that I was also going to the junior college and I was like, you know what? This is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to prove you wrong. This is how I'm going to prove everybody wrong. And it wasn't one gigantic moment where I was like, yep, this is it. I'm making a cognitive active decision from this point on. My life is going to be sunshine and daisies like that. That was never a thing for me. It was the million little choices. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't go from being an alcoholic and a drug addict who parties frequently and gets into fights over minuscule disputes and, you know, recently convicted of a felony. You don't just like flip a light switch and all of a sudden you're a saint. That's not a thing. You need to prove over time who you are as a person. And it came in the little things like when my friends would invite me out to a party. I'd be like, hey, it's a Wednesday, you know, and I kind of got a test tomorrow on Thursday. So I want to make sure I do good on this test because I got a 4.0 GPA right now. And I want to see how, how long I can keep it going. And then that slowly spanned into like, hey, come out and party. And I'm like, mm, actually, I got this homework assignment due. You know, so like the stakes weren't as high. It wasn't even a test. But the fact that it still counted towards my grade, I was starting to care about it. Mm-hmm. And then eventually it got to the point where I was like, Nah man, I'm trying to get ahead on my reading. <laughs> you know, it wasn't even it wasn't <laughs> even homework that was pressing or right around the corner. I was like, nah, man, I want to make sure that I'm on my shit for when class comes next week. You know, and they're like, damn, bro, you're a nerd. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know, right? And uh it, but it but again, it, it wasn't a light switch, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I wasn't perfect. It was a thousand little decisions mm-hmm. all the time. You know, it was like, I won't go out on a Thursday, but I'll see you on Friday. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it it, mm-hmm. it slowly got reduced and it slowly changed to where now I'm like I'm no longer waiting for the heat to die down, mm-hmm. you know, and go to Ah, gotcha, you. you know, I got a lot of green and then I went and robbed some more people. Like that's mm-hmm. that's a horrible ending to the story. <laughs> but um Yeah, so I mean it wasn't ne- it was never one moment that was a catalyst for me. It was in the it was in the little things. It's always so, in the details.
0: So when you Went back to school or went to college, community college. Were there people in your life that you said, "Look, I can't have a relationship with this person, this person, this person because my, because, because it's just toxic. It, it's bad news," and you ended those relationships?
1: Uh, yeah, we could start with my ex-fiance. <laughs> um, just kidding, that's a bad joke. I did have a fiance <laughs> though, and she, uh, she, she did break up with me. While I was on my way to jail in a text message, I was like, awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was, that was, that sucked. Um on my way to jail facing an undetermined amount of years. And my fiance breaks up with me in a text message in route to jail. That was trash. Um, but yeah, no, in, in terms of like all, all jokes aside, whether painful or not, um, I, you know, again, because i had what's called a a four-way search clause attached to my record um a lot of people i was like a pariah you know people did not want to hang out with me because they lost their rights just by being with me you know a Mm -hmm. four-way search clause is anybody deemed within my control is searchable Mm -hmm. anything deemed within my control is searchable and that's within police's legal rights so although i still wanted to hang out with the homies and chill and you know do whatever they were like hey man you come around and the police can actually handcuff all of us and sit us on the curb and search all of us regardless of (laughs) just because you're here so it was kind of like they wanted to distance themselves from me you know we would still talk periodically but like they were like hey man you you're hot right now like the police know you they search you pretty frequently you get pulled over all the time whenever you're driving we're not trying to go to jail also, you know, so there was, there was Mm -hmm. that, so that cut out a lot of Mm
0: -hmm. um, potential problems.
1: (laughs) Yeah, a lot of, a lot of potential problems that could have arisen. Um, I still, I'm still good in my hood, you know, I, uh, I'm still fine in my neighborhood. I never, I'm good. You know, I Mm -hmm. I still live in the same neighborhood. Um, I still know all the same people. So Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, whenever I go to the dive bar, you know, and I bump mm-hmm. into them. I, I share a beer with them. I talk with them briefly. You know, I'm not, I'm not better than them. I'm not saying I, I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still a human. I grew up with these men. I grew mm-hmm. up with these women. Mm-hmm. Um, I know their brothers, their sisters, their moms in some cases. And, you know, we, we've broken bread together. We've cried together. We've bled together. And although I know that my path is on a different road now, um, I mm-hmm. still have respect for those people. And they still have respect for me. Um, some of them are, are a little jealous, but that's, uh, you know, it j- just comes with the territory. Um, you know, whenever new. anybody, yeah, whenever anybody is successful, you're, you're going to have some haters and spawn some jealousy. Uh, mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's, uh, they're really supportive of me and where I'm at now. And mm-hmm. we do have a mutual understanding of if they ever want to uh, do anything. <laughs> uh, they know that I'm not going to be involved mm-hmm. but that's you know that's their business I'm doing my business our businesses are not going to cross because like I said we're on different paths mm-hmm. but I still acknowledge them I still respect them um, they're still humans at the end of the day
0: that is a very powerful uh, beautiful thing that you just shared because folks that are listening that may connect to that part of your story We're going to go back into those same communities with those same people that they've grown up with and they have relationships with. And how do you just alienate? How do you just make yourself into an island when you walk out that door and you see the same people over and over again, but you're on a different path and you just created, you just gave everyone the recipe. You you still embrace them for their humanity. There's mutual respect. They understand you. You understand them. It's all positive. And yeah, we're human. There's some people that, you know, will still have issues, but and we just work through that. We just do our best, use our common sense and 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 just go about our business. Let me shift gears, Antonio. Was you talked a lot about anger and violence and how anger became your go-to in solving your problems. What What have you done that has helped you evolve into not being so angry or channeling that anger in a positive way or just managing that anger?
1: Yeah, so like I said, my uh, anger is a very, very powerful emotion and if you're able to harness it and use it constructively, you're, you're, man, that's a that's a recipe for success because anger will get you farther than happiness um, in terms of its potential for productivity. I, I know that firsthand because along with my oppositional defiance came that anger, and that's what really motivated me is I, I wasn't just the fact that I was being stubborn, and I wanted to show you it was those long nights and early mornings where I was still mad at the world and how I was counted out because of my felony conviction that I wanted to prove you wrong. So the anger really helped me propel myself Um, in terms of healing my own, you know, from my own traumas and not being as enraged anymore with the world. I, um, again, it it started with little steps. So speaking about my story, you know, I noticed that giving back really started to heal my soul, and I really started to become a better person. I noticed that once I started being received by society positively, the anger shifted. But then that started to subdu- subside as well because you know I was angry because it's like oh now that I'm accomplishing all these things, now that I'm Val Victoria, now that I've got a couple of degrees to my name, all of a sudden you're you consider me worthy. All of a sudden I'm different. All of a sudden you're you're willing to take the time out to rekindle that friendship or to re-spark that relationship as a friend as a mentor i'm like you didn't talk to me for the past x amount of years and it was as soon as i got arrested but now that i'm successful you're trying to come back in my life so it angered me that people were starting to do that but i let that that anger was much easier to let go than the anger of everything else you know i'm still I'm starting to become proud of who I am as a man. Um I still have a lot to work on. You know, I am not perfect. I still mess up all the time. I fail frequently. Um I again, I I am not a saint. I just do my best every day. And I try to bring, you know, be the best person that I can be every day and I try to make the world a better place every single day that I'm I'm on this earth. Um And Beautiful. another thing that really helped me out was a uh, was working at the halfway house, you know, when these men would open up about, you know, trying to reconnect with their son that they haven't talked to in 15 years, you know, I'd be like, damn, you know, and then I would open up Mm -hmm. because it's all about reciprocity. It's about meeting that person halfway. Mm -hmm. And it was weird because although I was helping them, they also helped me, you Mm -hmm. know, and that's, I, I thought that I was gonna be, you know, going in there and just giving, 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 when really I was also receiving, I was also getting, I was also healing, and I, I didn't expect that to happen at the halfway house, and I'm extraordinarily happy, and I'm very thankful that that I was able to do that, that I was able to go to speaking events, and like I said, slowly becoming proud of who you are as a person, and becoming comfortable in your own skin, like I don't care if the Latino community doesn't accept me anymore, I don't care if I'm not brown enough for some people. I don't care if I'm not fluent in Spanish, therefore, I'm not Chicano enough. I don't (laughs) give a fuck anymore. You know what I mean? Because I now start to have, you know, I'm starting to have some real strong self esteem. You know, I know that I bring value to the table. And if you're so stuck in your mindset to where you want to neglect, reject, ostracize, or not accept me because of my skin color, then that's on you, bro. Like you got a lot of issues that you need to figure out. Mm -hmm. So I'm starting to be more comfortable in my own skin because that was a real issue that I had for a long time.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm
1: starting to be comfortable with who I am as a man. You know, I'm I'm no longer trying to figure it out, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm trying to do. And once you know who you are, people can't take that away from you. People cannot dictate to you who you are. People cannot impose on you a prophecy. And I know who I am. I have taken control of my story. You're not going to tell me that I'm some stupid fucking violent felon that doesn't deserve a second chance at life. Because you know what? I bring joy to the world. I am compassionate. I am kind. I give back. And I try to help out as much as I can. So while I have some trolls, because people are starting to recognize my name, and I do have trolls who say some extraordinarily vile things about me, what are what are they bringing to the table other than their hatred? Mm-hmm. All I wanted to do was turn my life around out of spite, <laughs> but now I'm trying to give back as much as I can. Mm-hmm. So you know,
0: what's interesting yeah. is you've 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 you said when someone comes at me and criticizes me because maybe I'm not, you know, my skin's not dark enough or whatever. You've been able to, instead of letting that absorb into you, letting that impact you, you're looking at it from the point of view of, what's wrong with this person to think like that? This person must have an issue. There's something going on with this person for him or her to think like that. That person has issues. Because otherwise, why why would they have that perspective? What kind of person has that kind of perspective or would say something like that? And, and that takes the power out of what they say by just flipping it and saying, wow, what, what, what's, that, what's going on with that person? That, that person's got some issues to say something like that. Okay, well, thank you for sharing that. Now I, now I know a little bit more about you, but it, I can tell that you've got some issues. And it takes away the power.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, um, now, mind you, when I have trolls and people talk shit, you know, it, it does get to me. You know, as much as I can try to reclaim it and say I don't care what people say, I'm strong, independent man, and I don't care about opinions. I'm, do- it still gets to me. You know, like I don't like seeing that some people hate me just because I exist. You know, I don't think any human would like that you know I'm I'm trying to do my best every single day and yet you're reminding me of a horrible act that I did almost 10 years ago you know it's a uh, it's not a pleasant thing to have thrown in your face frequently so as much as I try to reclaim that and as much as I try to make amends for that you know it, it does still hurt you know when I have people who say vile things I had one troll online you know they say don't read the comments but you're going to read them just because you're curious what people are saying. And most of the time it's positive. However, I had one troll and I'll never forget this. He said that I should still be in prison getting ass raped every single day. I had never met this man, but yet he felt the need to say that about me. And I'm like, dude, who, who are you? You know what I mean? Like, dude, I you make it sound like I kicked your puppy, bro. Like I, did, like, I don't even, why did you feel the need to say that about a complete stranger? You know, and mind you, he said that when I was in the news, when I got, when I found out that I was going to be Victorian and I got my record reduced and expunged. That news story, that was one of the comments on it. So the fact that I was celebrating this monumentous moment and it was supposed to be pure joy just professionally, academically, and personally, to read that hurt, man. Because I'm like, dude, what? Like, why? And I'm human. You know what I mean? You can say sticks and stones all you want, but sometimes it'll get to you. And I I will always remember what that man said.
0: I appreciate you sharing the vulnerability there. It just shows that you're you're still human, and that those things happen. And um, it's important always to evaluate the evaluator, and never to forget that who is doing the evaluating. What are they qualified? Um, and that will help re- take away the power that someone who doesn't deserve that power
1: is yeah, trying you know, to I, have. Um... I saw a quote the other day and well, not brand new, but, you know, I've seen it before and I just need to keep reminding myself is if I wouldn't take criticism from that person, or excuse me. If I wouldn't take advice from that person, hmm. I shouldn't take criticism from that person. There you go. And that's, I, right that's mm-hmm. yeah, you know, that's true. You know, if I, if I wouldn't go to you and say like, Hey, what's your opinion on this? Can you help me out with this? What do you think about this? Why do I give a shit all the negative things you have to say, too? If you're not bringing any positivity in my life, I don't give a fuck what you have to say. You're just being hurtful, man. And there's no no reason for that.
0: And just uh, maybe use it as an ember in in the fire of motivation to keep you fueled in the right direction. uh, But otherwise, just keep moving on and just stay focused on the the goals at hand. Um, But what about loneliness, Antonio? Are there days... Uh, during your journey of your turning your life around which as you've indicated have been a lot of little steps that have led to huge milestones for you valedictorian A's after A's after A's a full ride scholarship to it because of all of the academic success that you had and now you're in law school and you're traveling around and giving presentations. Are there are there days and moments where you're lonely and if so how do you deal with that?
1: <clears throat> yeah so there's a, there's two things I want to touch on now that you mention it. Um, so I did get a full tuition scholarship when I transferred to the University of San Francisco and I did get a full tuition scholarship um, for Santa Clara University School of Law. I am extraordinarily thankful for both and I worked extraordinarily hard for that. You know, the, the long nights and early mornings and, you know, to touch back on the trolls, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've read in the comments where they said, oh, look, look at all the accolades that this felon is getting. Whereas my son has to get loans and he never did anything wrong and he's a good student or when, oh, why does this felon get this opportunity when I'm a good student? And I'm just like, dude, I don't see you getting straight A's. You know what I mean? I don't see you putting in the work to get the rewards, but because they failed—not even that they failed, but because they were moderately successful or pretty successful—it um, infuriates them that I have done more with the cards that I was dealt and that I have—I've been winning. You know, some people in life are set up to win simply by who their parents were and where they were born you know you're, you're just you're you were supposed to go to law school mm-hmm. you were supposed to go to college you were supposed to win mm-hmm. so it makes them mad when somebody like me who wasn't necessarily supposed to make the most out of my three cards and we're playing five card you know poker it pisses them off but i'm like hey look i work extraordinarily hard and in doing so has made me extraordinarily lonely. I am constantly passing up on barbecues, on birthdays, on hanging out with the homies, on going out on dates, on doing all sorts of stuff. And it's because I am working hard every single day. Mm. I work 12 to 14 hours a day every single day, Sunday through Saturday, Mm. every single day. Wow.
0: And how long have you been on
1: that type of a schedule? Too long. (laughs) This, uh, this, so this, this regiment that I'm on right now has been for law school. What, before law school, I was able to slip in a party here and slip in a party there. Um, because it's undergrad and it's not nearly as hard as law school. (laughs) Um, yeah, law school is a, that's a beast, but, um, yeah, again, you know, undergrad took less effort to get better accolades and, and better grades, whereas law school, you got to really bite the bullet and try to grab that beast by the horns, you know, and try to control that monster. Um, what keeps yeah, the, you going
0: t- when, you're, when, when you're feeling those bouts of loneliness?
1: Um, when I poke my head up and I see how far I've come. You know, so although I have the, these really lonely nights and Although I don't, you know, I've missed out on a lot of opportunities and I miss out on a lot of life and it's because I pass up on a lot of social activities and it's because I work so hard and it's it's a lonely road, but, you know, when I look up and when I want to take a break, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have, you know, some solid friends, um, And I, my wife is awesome. Um, Hmm. she's definitely, she's so patient. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, you know, it, uh, it is lonely, but whenever I poke my head up and I look around, I see just how far I've come and it it feels good. So then I dive back down in my hole and I just keep, just keep going, you know, just keep digging.
0: What do you say to the folks that, you know, as you started to turn your life around and realize that, you know, you're, you're, hanging, you're around, not necessarily hanging around, but you're in situations where you're interacting with people that don't have a background like you, you know, that didn't grow up in a really rough neighborhood where most people didn't get a high school education and you didn't experience the amount of death that you've experienced or, you know, had a felon and uh, felony removed from your record. How do you? What do you say to those folks listening right now that may be in your shoes, taking those steps to improve their life, and are in hanging are, are in situations with people that they really don't connect with or they can't relate with because they're thinking inside their own head. Oh wow, this person's different from me. Look, look, there, there's no way this person uh, grew up or experienced what I experienced. What do you say to those people to to find commonality and and connect with them?
1: Yeah, it's um, it's, it's definitely difficult. Um, It has its set of challenges. Um, It's not easy. You know, it's not easy knowing that somebody might make an innocent, but yet offhanded comment about how, you know, felons are dumb in class. And I'm like, damn, bro that's really what you think of me, you know? Um, (laughs) so it is, it is hard. Um, it is an uphill battle. Most people are genuinely curious. Some people are curious for the wrong reasons. They say really inappropriate things. Um, but it's all right. You know, it's, uh, it's just part of the, part of the road, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's, it's just a lonely road you know, to be on and to try to navigate and make your way through. So, so it's, I mean, you're just gonna have to bite the bullet, man. You know, it's uh when you start making big changes like that, that's, it's not a, if it were easy, everybody would do it. Meaning mm-hmm. everybody would be on the same road with you. Mm-hmm. If it's a hard decision, there's going to be less people on that path. If it's an extraordinarily hard path there's going to be even less people so for example my trajectory in the path that i took was like walking on glass to crawl through barbed wire to you know like, any other you know i had dogs biting me in the ass and like it's like and my hair was on fire all at the same time and there's not very many people who can say i stepped on glass crawled through barbed wire had a dog biting my ass and my hair on fire uh, so i i get that i am in a unique position um but it's not like i'm just surrounded by malicious people all the time you know there are people who are genuine people and if they don't understand sometimes they'll ask you know and i'm more than happy to explain like hey kind of rude how you said that or you know Mm -hmm. whatever but Mm -hmm. like i said i'm just i'm just a friendly guy and i like to keep doors open so although my path is extraordinarily lonely i can still look to my left and i can still look to my right and i can Mm-hmm. see people who are going in the right direction with me or at least going in the same direction as me. And mm-hmm. it's not as lonely, even though they're not on the exact same path as me.
0: And would you say that, Antonio, that on this path of discipline, sacrifice, hard work, that's lonely, that, and even interacting with people that don't have the background that you have, there are always along the way beautiful souls, beautiful people that have a hand or are offering support and see that dedication in you, that see that non-stop, no-quit attitude that is just eager to get to work, eager to do good, and there are people along the way that you interact with, that you have built relationships with, that are there to help facilitate you, are there to help you get to the next step in the ladder, to the next, you know, uh, wh- wh- whatever that next piece is. But they're there, they see what you're doing, and so hard work is always rewarded.
1: Uh, yes, um, I'm, I didn't catch the question.
0: I just wanted to see if that was correct, if that, yeah. that's been your, your experience along this path that has a lot of loneliness because of the dedication that you're putting into something.
1: Yeah, there's, uh, there's been all sorts of, I mean, people see it. P- people will see people, see, people notice hard work. Um, people notice the dedication. They'll notice the drive. And I, I always say this, phenomenal people attract phenomenal people. So if you're doing your due diligence and if you're really crossing those T's and dotting those I's and making moves and shaking hands and kissing babies, you know, um, people will see it and people will want to work with you because not only are you, or at least, in, you know, in, in my case, you know, smart, hardworking, consistent, always trying to give back, always trying to help. I also come with a unique, you know, perspective. And I definitely bring that to the table every single time I sit at the table. And people want to work with that. You know, if you all have the same ideas, you're not getting anywhere. But I might have a different idea. Mm-hmm. So it might have a different solution to the problem. Um, so, yeah, I, I have noticed that there's been a lot of people along the journey who have seen the hard work and have definitely been accepting of me and my journey. And it's uh, I'm very thankful for all those people who are willing to work with me and, you know, take a risk and take a gamble on me.
0: Mm-hmm. Antonio, if, if you could talk to yourself 20 years ago or at a time before you started really going down that wrong road, what would you say to yourself? How, how would you be able to have an impact on your life?
1: Well, like I, like I said earlier, I think that my stubborn ass had to make all the mistakes myself. You know, I don't, I was too, I just had to, I had to find my own way. I had to find my own, you know, rock bottom and decide to build up from there. There's, there was really nothing that could have been said How will for me things to be, change.
0: How will things be different for your children?
1: Well, I'm going to see what, uh, what worked for me, what didn't. I'm going to try to foster a few positive outlets not just one or two Um, and hopefully you know the whole get them in the piano lessons get them in the art lessons and just try to try to find a talent that they may have try to find some joy that they may have and really cultivate that and who knows maybe it'll become a skill and they'll be the next Picasso or you know whatever you know Bach and Beethoven and whatnot.
0: I'd like we're getting close to wrapping up and I I'd like to get up to know you on just a little different personal level. Asking you, um, growing up or maybe recently, what what would you say your favorite movie is?
1: Oh man, I am a Lord of the Rings nerd. And <laughs> I absolutely love love Lord of the Rings. All of it. Anything to do with it, all of Tolkien's world. The Hobbit, the Silmarillion, the Children of Hurin, Baron Luthien, Oh, you name it, man. Anything I get my my hands on, the Fall of Gondolin, like I, I'm in there. That's wow. uh, that's my go-to. That's my guy.
0: And your favorite song?
1: My favorite song? Boy, I love music. So I, it depends on my mood. Mm-hmm. It uh, it, it'll change. I can't pick one.
0: Give me a band that you really like.
1: Oh man, like I said, I bands. I mean, that's the thing. Like I, I love it all. You know, so I can listen to anything from like gangster rap to country music to rock and roll to jazz to, you know, all sorts of stuff. So I can, you don't ever want to hand me the ox cord in a car because I'll play some, you know, like Tech Nine and then I'll play Johnny Cash and then I'll bounce over to ABBA and I'll, you know, like it's just, (laughs) you never know what you're going to get when you give me the cord.
0: Share a book that had a big influence on your life
1: um i don't really have one you know
0: favorite video game
1: Ooh man um there's a few i, I love i love me some call of duty <laughs> and then uh some sh- shadow of war again you know lord of the rings because i'm a nerd
0: <laughs> all right last question antonio there's a lot of people that are listening. What do you want to say that's different from what everyone else has said that doesn't seem to really impact people, that may go in one ear and out the other? What do you have to say that you think could make a difference for somebody that's struggling right now, that, that just needs that seed that can grow or that little spark to turn into a fire.
1: Yeah, you know, it's um... How bad do you want to mess up? You know, the 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 choice is yours and you have a lot more power than you think you do so it really boils down to how far do you want to dig your hole? How much do you want to mess up before you start turning it around? That is 100% up to you. You have a lot more power than you think um and i must add that regardless of how deep your hole is there is still hope so once you do finally decide that this is it for me this is rock bottom i'm gonna turn it around from here just know that it is possible to pull yourself up but it's not going to be easy so no matter what don't forget that there will always be hope for you
0: thank you antonio we live in a beautiful country where there is second chances and third chances and there's a lot of resources there's a lot of positive people that like you said they see who's working and they and hard work always pays off Antonio you've shared an incredible amount you've got an amazing story and you're gonna do big things and have a very positive impact in the community as you already have and I want to say how grateful I am to have an opportunity to hear your story and share your story. And thank you for joining team.
1: Yeah, no problem. I'm uh, happy to be here and I'm glad that you got me on the show.
0: Well, I hope that we can circle back at some point down the road, Antonio, and catch up with you.
1: Yeah. Sounds good.
0: All right. Well, that'll wrap it up. Thank you everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for the next one. This is TEAM.